Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, last but not least, I want to take an opportunity to officially introduce um, a friend of NWC, a colleague of NWC, and also someone who is a remarkable practitioner in this space of diversity, equity, and inclusion, Melissa Smith. So as I normally do, I will give her a formal bio and introduction, and then we will invite her to share more about herself in her own way. But here is Melissa's bio. Melissa Smith is a passionate leader with almost 20 years of experience experience in education and coaching. She leverages her background in education, coaching, organizational psychology, and facilitation to continuously push individuals to challenge assumptions and shift paradigms. Individuals notice name. Melissa's approach to coaching and leadership development helps individuals notice, name, disrupt, and dismantle systemic oppression and develop shared humanity for everyone. She empowers communities to reach beyond their comfort zones, to reimagine and redesign their systems for equity. Melissa is a people-first champion that specializes in supporting historically marginalized groups in healing and ongoing community care. She empowers individuals and organizations to center mental health and well-being while challenging dominant cultural and societal norms. She also just recently joined the NWC team as a senior director of DEI strategy and design, and we're so delighted to have her. She's making a difference already, and I hope you all will join me and in your own way, either through emojis or just opportunities where you can just pour into her and let her know how much we appreciate her being here today and sharing with us. I will, I will really appreciate that. So I'm going to stop sharing my screen. I'm going to spotlight Melissa so that she can be front and center. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Nika, for what a wonderful, wonderful introduction. Um, this is this, it was a great introduction, and I'm so excited to be here and just chat with you today and, and be a part of the intentional conversation. You know, yes. I really, I so I've been this is like the third kind of um third round for me. So I've been a, a, a person that has come to the IC conversations to learn. Then I've been on the side of the employee, you know, the, the staff member coming and joining. And now I'm a guest having a chat with you. So I'm enjoying yes. this, this, <laughs> this round too. Well, we are equally excited and we're very proud to have you, Melissa. Again, it's been, um, I guess, about a month now. And uh, it seems like the time flies by. But um, I'm not going to let you off the hook, though. One of the things that we always do, and you know this from, you know, <laughs> taking part in some of our previous podcasts is that while we always like to make sure we take an opportunity to read someone's accolades and their credentials so that everyone will know how they show up to this work, um, we also want to make sure we can dig a little bit deeper to know something about you that we cannot find by reading your bio. So let us in to a little bit more about Melissa. Are there any intersecting identities or anything unique that um, helps us to get to know you a little bit better? Yes. So there, there are many layers to Melissa. Anyone who knows me knows that. Um, I will say that I am definitely a person that loves to have fun. 
I, I am a people person. I love to be around family. I love to be around friends. Um, I have two children. I have a boy, uh, EJ, and I have a son. Uh, I have a daughter, uh, Kaya. Uh, they are 15 months apart. They are like twins, but they are not. Um, they uh, get along most of the time. And um, they they are now calling me cringy. Uh, so that's like the newest thing that's happening right now because I sit, I sing and I dance a lot. So that's kind of interesting there. But um, I, I'm very much a, uh, I love life. I love to live. I love to experience and enjoy. Uh, I just, I find a lot of, um, I find a lot of, of, of joy just in being around people and I get a lot of energy from that. So um, I, I love to uplift others. And I, I shared a little bit of this with the NWC team, not as much. Um, some people know I love quotes. Mm -hmm. I am a quotes person. And mm -hmm. so I enjoy sending up motivational and inspirational uplifting quotes to friends and family from time to time. Yeah. And we have been on the receiving end of Melissa's quotes and we love them. So thank you. Thank you so very much. And so I want people to understand what your journey has been so far in terms of your work and the space of um, DEI. And so give us a little bit of your, your historical background in terms of your professional experience and your connection points to this work. Yeah, so um, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. You know, my my background is in academia. So I am an educator by heart. I'll always be an educator, um, educator of children, educator with adults. Um, I started in education in public schools. And so um, working with children, second grade, third grade, I've worked as a literacy coach and I've worked in a lot of capacities in, in the public school elementary education setting. Um, building um building culture you know and that is one thing that has always been prominent in in any environment that i was in in the in the public school sector is i always focused on that culture whether it was my individual classroom or whether it was like the school building i always found a way to center myself and somehow trying to understand more of what the culture was of the building and how I could help enhance, how I could look at the data, how I could, you know, help to sit, create more of an inclusive culture of belonging, both for the students and, and for the educators. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I grew in leadership capacity, I started to branch out and I would present at um, district level. So instead of just being at a school level, I would present more at a um, district level. So I would share my expertise in leadership development trainings with senior leadership staff. And um, I realized that there was, there were so many opportunities to leverage um, leverage change mm -hmm. um but I couldn't do it alone and um but it also needed to be done you know mm -hmm. and, and I'm the type of person that can't sit back and watch when yeah. something needs to be done you know if I see it and I know it needs to be done I need to find a way to jump in and contribute to that change so um 
you know, through that journey, I just continued to, to try to help motivate and build up other equity champions to do this work. And um, from public school, I transitioned into higher ed and went to the University of Virginia. And um, at the University of Virginia, I was the lead early childhood coach for, um, for, for um, social emotional coach for equity. And I really enjoyed that because it really just meshed well with two things that I love. I love coaching and I love discussing coaching, having anything to do with the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so that, that really meshed well and um, helped to build both internal and external structures there at the University of Virginia. So, you know, my, my, my path has always had some kind of DEI realm. Um, and, and recently I was talking to a, a friend, she said, oh, how did you get I see you're with Nico White Consulting. How'd you get there? Like, how did you get out of education into there? And I said, I've always been there. (laughs) I've always been in DEI. I said, when looking at data and looking at the disparities among, you know, Black males, when building morale amongst teachers and trying to find places, uh, you know, where, where people can belong, you know, all these things when looking at Uh, special education data and trying to really analyze and disaggregate the data to understand who needs services and why, like all those are equitable moments that we just didn't necessarily put a name with it, but those are all the opportunities for us to leverage equity um, in, in education, so. Yeah, I so appreciate that, Melissa, because I believe that sometimes people, when they're thinking about, you know, candidates for different DEI roles, um, they are very explicitly looking for something that uh, may indirectly connect with this work. And so for you, it was very obvious when we had our multiple conversations, I was really taken back by how you have been driving strategy around DEI, specifically in the work that you were doing and how it found its way into all aspects of of, of the role in the organization. I think that's so important because there are a number of people that are of the persuasion that I have to have the title in order to really do this work and affect this type of change. And while while you did have that title as part of your body of work, um, it just brought to light in this conversation the need for us to emphasize this work belongs to all of us. And I want more people to infuse a lens of DEI into whatever capacity of work that they're doing. You know, I think that's the part of it. You know, when we kind of jokingly say we want to work ourselves out of a job, this is what we mean is that it's just so organic. It's just so a part of everyone's DNA, everyone's mindset that we don't have to necessarily carve out very explicit positions um, and titles for this type of work. So, and I'll say Nika too, I joke about it. And I think I joked with you before, I made my own DEI roles in almost every place I've ever been. Um, I, 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 I didn't necessarily have a DEI position. I created most of them through just looking and knowing and looking at data and seeing and feeling and saying, there's a need here. There's a need here. There's a need here. We need to fix. How can we do? Let's be change makers. And so 
you know, it wasn't, I didn't have that official title across my, my job description, but when you see it and you feel it and you know, it needs to change, you know, I, I'm not one that can sit back and just let it be. So I do think in order for change to be made, it is going to take all of us. As you said, it's not going to be the person with the title. They, you know, you can't, we can't do it alone. It's going to take an all approach. Absolutely. And what I love about you and your approach, Melissa, while maybe the initial um, motivation was fueled by the passion and the understanding um, of the need, you also on your own account, became a student of this work in this space. And as I think about all of the things that you um, affiliated yourself with and associated yourself with, it had some tie either directly or indirectly to this body of work. And, um, and I think that that organic kind of journey is, is important just to amplify because, you know, while certainly we talk a lot about how passion is really important, you have to align both will and skill. And I I share that often with this community. It's not just enough to say I'm passionate about this work. Passion only carries you, but so far, but how are we really strategically equipping ourselves with the knowledge and the know-how and the tools to be able to help affect the change that we want to see? And so I applaud you um, in that regard. And we're going to get a little bit into some of the ways in which you did that. Um, I want to first talk about um, authentically grounded. Um, So, you know, you have these passion projects and these efforts that you have founded and initiated. And I want this community to be aware of what those are and how maybe they can also get involved and learn more. So so tell us about some of these passion projects and efforts that you have that I understand relates to uh, a mug campaign that has a a story behind it. (laughs) There's a whole story, Nika. I told you multi-layers, you just have to learn to peel back the layers. Um, Yes, so Authentically Grounded is a company I founded and um, I have a mug line and my mug line and mugs like drinking mugs um, just came out. And so, you know, in all the work that I do is all about healing, hope and liberation. And so this element of my mug line is really about the reflections, the thoughts, the liberation, the connection, um, back to back to how I can help embody that mindset of great, gaining greater self-identity, owning your power, enacting your agency, you know, finding maybe places where you've been broken, but now you're liberating your boundaries and you're, you're being authentically grounded. You're finding that authenticity again, and, and, and it's grounding and centering you. Um, because I've been on that journey personally. I've been on that journey from where I wasn't sure who I was. I wasn't sure who I was as a Black woman leader in, in a Black woman in leadership. And I had to really unpack a lot of things in, in terms of internalized oppression and, 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 and all those things to understand who I was and how I could use my power and how I could show up and how, how I needed to take up space and how my voice mattered. And um, I am here to help others do the same. And so in all the spaces that I go in, I really find it really meaningful for me to 
push that narrative forward and especially for black women and women of color that we are worthy period <laughs> we are worthy but we are worthy of love and belonging we are worthy to take up space we are worthy to have a voice we are worthy of rest we are worthy of you know whatever fill in the blank and we do not ever need to shrink or mask or adjust part of ourselves to fit in with the dominant norm or the dominant narrative. Um, because for a long time, I thought that is what I needed to do to get ahead in my in many leadership positions. And it and it it was what I did to get ahead, you know, and I, I was very successful, but at a cost to my self-esteem and at a cost to my just self-understanding, you know, and my self-concept. And when I went through that transition of uh, unpacking and relearning and then healing, I knew that there were other women out there, women of color that needed this and could also go through this. And so the mug line for me is, is, um, is a way for women to just have like this quick burst of wisdom, like right in their hand that they can, you know, have the confidence that to say, I am not going to let this, this, this racist act, or I'm not going to let this oppression, you know, hold me back. I am strong and I am somebody I am, I can be inspired. And so my, my, uh, the statements I have on my mug are not, necessarily all common things that you may find anywhere. They're definitely from a place of healing, hope, and liberation. And, um, and they're made for a certain group of people. But when you, if, if, if that is your, if you go there and you say, oh my goodness, this is, this is me, you're, you're going to find a lot of, of grat gratitude from, from the mud line. <laughs> I love that beautifully stated. And by the way, you have a lot of supporters and fans in, in the chat really uh, amplifying a lot of what you've shared. And so uh, I think that's wonderful. I wanted this community to understand that about you. And we did place the Authentically Grounded um, website into the chat. So, so thank you to this community for sourcing that quickly for us. So I do hope you all will check those mugs out and feel empowered and inspired. And you know, then maybe be willing to, to pay it forward and to give someone else with the mug so they can feel the same way. So you've talked a lot today, Melissa, about how your focus is, um, you know, very much centered around mental health and wellness, and particularly of women and um, women of color and girls of color. And so um, why is it important for us to continue to discuss mental health and specifically in the context of um, those groups that you, you care deeply about, like women of color and girls of color? Yeah. So, you know, the, the data out there shows that Black women, for example, have a disproportionate higher rate of chronic illness, uh, higher rate of morbidity, uh, morbidity. And oftentimes these illnesses are due to stress. They're due to stress related to burdens of society. They're due to stress related to um, systemic racism. They're due to stress related to trauma. And these are things that aren't talked about. You know, they're not necessarily discussed. And I, as, as women of color, black women, 
for us to start to take a step back and think, okay, these actions are placed upon me, but I don't have to keep them. You know, I don't, I can be in this continual process of proactively deciding to put boundaries in front of me. I can be in this uh, process of continually deciding to give myself a break. I can be in this process of continually deciding that I don't have to be the strongest woman in the room necessarily just because I'm a black woman. And I've always been told that I need to be the strongest person here um, in order to succeed or to get ahead or, you know, I, I don't have to live up to the generational narrative that has always been placed before me because I don't want to be one of those statistics. I don't want to have all of the health issues associated with that statistic. So I think it's kind of like, for me, breaking the narrative, you know, it's breaking and changing the narrative a little bit of what we've been told that we have to be as Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's no, it's no, it's nothing negative about to our ancestors or the women that came before us, because I really do feel they did exactly what they had to do. Yeah. They did. They, they didn't have the advantages we have. They didn't have the space we had. They didn't have the uh, uh, intentional conversations podcast to be able to say these things and the platforms to be able to, you know, to, to, to speak out like this. But now that we have it, I don't want to teach my daughter to work twice as hard to get half as far. Like that narrative that I was taught, I don't want her to have to do that. I want there to be spaces for her to work hard, to be successful, um, but also to understand how to set boundaries and to understand how to take care of herself and understand what self-care is and and not feel that she has to carry the world on her back because she's a, a Black woman or a Black girl. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I did all that. As a mom of a, of a Black young woman, I absolutely echo everything that you just mentioned. So as we talk about, you know, developing those um, to especially women of color to have that that mindset that you just described. How does um, self development affect the way that women can leverage their voices and take up space? I know that you talk a lot about helping women and coach women to using their voice to show up, particularly in white environments. You know, because that's hard. So how how does the the aspect of self development, self awareness, help women to leverage their voice and take up space? such a good question, Nika. So when I think about self-development, like I'm just going to name, like there are words that pop up in my head. Prioritize, rest, thrive, healthy, um, advocate, um, address, practice, psychologically safe, decolonize, mm-hmm. challenge. I think many of those words are part of the self-development we have to do in order to, and, and what I help women to do in order to own their voice and take up space, develop that self-love that we may or may not have had growing up or have, or have, or have seen. Um, prioritize boundaries, um, learn how to 
feel steady and take up space and and what does that really mean to take up space in a, in an office or in a workplace setting what does it mean to 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 advocate for psychologically safe workplace environments and what does it mean to have so to, to believe in yourself enough that you are going to without a doubt be in an environment that is going to be healthy and thriving for you or else you're not going to be there you know not living to the narrative of um changing your hair because you feel like it's not acceptable um you know going through the motions of that and i, I i've done this in the past you know thinking should I get my hair braided? I have this board meeting, you know, is it, is it appropriate to do this right now? Should I wait to go on vacation? But it takes eight hours to get my hair braided. So do I, you know, that that is a emotional tax, that, that, that emotional tax that we go through that some people don't even know just to, just to try to assimilate and show up. Mm-hmm taking that off of our plate, take developing enough sense of self that you don't need to do that, you know, and going to environments like I'm here at NWC, I can, I can get braids at any point in time. <laughs> I can rock whatever hairstyle I want. I can do, you know, I am in an environment where I can show up as my authentic self. And I know that so think about the, emo I don't have that additional emotional tax. I'm not bringing that to work. So there's a huge amount of stress that I don't have on me mm -hmm. as a black woman. Mm -hmm. And I want others to see that you don't have to take that. You don't have to have that. There are spaces and places where you can show up as your full authentic self. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well stated. So one of the things I've heard you mention before, particularly in, in preparation for today's conversation is, and I, I'm, I'm quoting this, resting is a form of mm -hmm. resistance. So Melissa, what do you mean by that? And how can women of color use this? Yes. So that is something that I read somewhere and I, I'm sure someone, it is someone's quote. So I apologize if I, if, since I have not sourced it correctly. Um, but I say that often because if we look at situations in the workplace, usually power is associated with, with busyness. Mm. And the, the power and privilege, you know, go often to the person that's working the most or doing the most. And as a woman of color, you know, again, work twice as hard to get half as far, work more, prove more, get more degrees, get more accolades, get, uh, do, a, do a little bit more than your job description if you, if you want to get ahead, more, 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 more. Again, all that more is coming at a cost and it's coming at a cost of your health. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm saying don't improve yourself because anyone that knows me knows I love conferences. I love, you know, self-development. Nika, we were just talking the other day about webinars and how we love, like, I love to learn, you know, I'm on a, my children laugh because I talk about articles all the time. They're like, articles, articles, articles. <laughs> They say it all the time now, but I love to read and I love to learn. So I'm not against that, 
I'm just saying that it comes at a balance. Yeah. And I, I want women to know that you we should be able to do it because we want to do it to get ahead, not because we feel like we are pressured to do it because of who we are, or who we are not. So there is, um, if, if you're on social media, there's a, um, I'm not sure if it's a person or company, but it's called the NAP ministry. Oh yeah. I know the NAP ministry. The NAP ministry is, if you don't know the NAP ministry, the NAP ministry truly is all about rest. Like they are rooted in liberation, restoration, and really distributed power so that you can rest. Yeah. Um, but what I love about it is they talk about deprogramming and decolonizing and just unraveling the wreckage that we've been programmed to by white privilege and, and, and white supremacy culture. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the go, 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 and a lot of the things that we've been, um, our, our bodies and minds, and this is a society as a, and not just women, right. this is just society in general. We've been programmed to, to do and think and be, it, it talks about how we reclaim it and, um, reawaken ourselves from those brutal systems. And so I, 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 I laugh sometimes because some of the posts are like, lay down, go rest. I know. <laughs> but I enjoy that. Yeah, the NAP ministry for sure is something that I encourage all of you to 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 look up. If we can place that into the chat, that would be awesome. So I know that we focused a lot on women, women of color, um, and but I, you know, when you talk about people developing their path to being authentically grounded, you know, that is something that all of us can gain a lot of value from. And so I want to lean into that a little bit more. Can you provide just some direction or some guidance for if someone is listening to this and they're saying, you know what, I do feel like I've been compromising my authenticity. How can I develop and be on a path of becoming authentically grounded? What would you share? Love to. And I and um, Nika, I have a um, I have something I want to share with the audience. Please. Um, as an as an educator, you know, we always come with with nuggets. We love um, tools. Please share. Uh, we love. We come with tools. You know, we always have a little something in our back pocket so i came with such today and so this is um actually a blog post that i posted about two years ago and this is when i left uh one of my uh public school a public school setting and right before i went to higher ed and this was just it was raw emotion but it was truly what i felt um and how I wanted to express myself and, and, and uh, how I wanted to show the world where I was and, and how I could develop my path to being authentically grounded, like that next step and what I've been through. So I'll read this for you all. The title is, You've Been Given a Seat to Liberation. Impress, impress, chuckle, chuckle. Assimilate, assimilate, assimilate. Be like the norm. Do like the norm. Wait, who's norm? Nope, don't question it. You're at the table. Smile through it. Assimilate, assimilate. Always show up. Stay in your lane. Play the game. 
you've been chosen as their safe one. Assimilate. Don't be too loud. Don't bring it up too much. Bring yourself, but not too much to make them uncomfortable. Keep the seat and push through. Prove, alter. Voice, appearance, hair, personality. Dim that side if you want to advance. Ooh, the pressure. Remember you're strong, you can handle it. Look around, you're the only one at the table. Don't stumble and choke because you're carrying the culture on your back. Mask it and stay strong. They cannot see your weakness. They say you can handle those kids. They say you can understand those families. So many things are not right, ingrained in equities. If it doesn't fit in their box, it's wrong. Persistent racial stereotypes. I want to speak out, but they won't legitimize my concern. Go ahead, say something. Nope. I'll be labeled as angry and aggressive. Guilt, anxiety, shame, depression. Anti-blackness all around. Microaggressions abound. Micro, micro, <laughs> from which point of view? <laughs> Small occurrences can lead to big consequences. Those kids, those parents, they won't, they don't, they will only if. Intent versus impact. Did they hear what they just said? Trying to explain but not understood. Chipping away at my authentic self. Burnt out, battered, and broken. Can't we just stop the two-pronged politics? Are they more than just saviors? Please, no more performative actions. If you need to check a box, check a box on taking tangible action to disrupt the status quo. Oh, how they other us and speak about our culture. Yes, we can hear you. Or what about the ones who don't speak up? Silence pads their privilege. Oh, to have the luxury of retreat while my weariness is longstanding. The guise of reinventing and reimaging and rebranding, still the eloquent smog of systemic racism is heavily baked in. Don't they see it? Don't they want to see it? Exhausted and confused, invisible scars, trying to heal wounds caused by institutional problems. Black fatigue, spirit murdering, cortisol's up. Which road do I choose, my profession or my health? No more. No, done, quit. Wait, wait. My feelings are real? My feelings are valid. Wow. So many others feel the same way too. Finding my people, truth tellers, affinity groups, these gems of wisdom, I am not alone. Self-preservation, rest and release. 
owning all of my blackness, dropped the uncertainty and gained unwavering certainty, healing in brave spaces, new environment, not having to explain why I have the right for psychological safety, valued, respected, heard, affirmed, thriving, safe, whole, liberation. I'm silent intentionally because I think that we all have to just sit with that for a moment, you know? Um, yeah. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for so sharing. That for me was what I coach people. So that was my journey, but it's all about like, I get teary every time I read that, <laughs> but it's taking people through a deepened self-awareness because it's, it's go, it's exposing yourself and it's gaining. And this is for all women or anyone really, but I really focus on coaching women and it's deepening your self-awareness and getting to those vulnerable exposing layers where you can really gain intentional uh, uh, understanding of who you are, where the trauma is and, and getting real with yourself. And then once you're at that place, you can then start to talk about disrupting the systems of oppression and, and challenging status quo, but it all starts on that first individual self-identity, you know, really developing a strong sense of self Mm -hmm. and examining, um, you know, who you are and what, where you're coming from and what you need. And once you get through, once I help uh, people get through that, then we can start to say, okay, so now that we're through that, where are these systems in your workplace, in your, you know, you know, the community, in your clubs or whatever it is that they may be, you know, in the organization that you're a part of, let's really talk about some opportunities for change. Let's really talk about, let's examine these cultures for normative white supremacy. Let's really examine these cultures for dominant, you know, or discriminatory practices, because many, many practices are there, just everyday discriminatory practices that aren't really ever challenged. And so um, we can get there, but I often say we can't get to the other's awareness before we get to the self-awareness. So oftentimes right. we want to jump to the other's awareness and we want to mm -hmm. jump to fix like the institution and the systems. And that's okay if it's organizational wide, you know, that's okay if we're in an organization and we're, you know, we're doing it that way. But if it's like a one-on-one, you -on -one, yeah. have to do the self-awareness individual um, intra-personal work first, and then it can then go along with helping the interpersonal and the institutional and systemic work. Yeah, no, I so appreciate that. I think that often we want to try to fix the system immediately without taking the time to really just reflect on, is this something that is my experience or is it also others experience, right? Is this something that's heightened for me because of my triggers? 
that maybe is again is unique to my situation. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was that was really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing. I have I have a few other questions, but I don't want to be selfish with their time. I'm sure that there's so many in this community that also would love to engage with you. So if you have questions, thoughts, comments that you would like to contribute to this podcast discussion, I'm going to invite you to either place it into the chat and we'll bring those um, into the, the conversation, or we love to have individuals to share live. And so feel free to raise your hand and we will spotlight you and bring you into the conversation. So maybe while you're thinking um, on whether or not you would like to share, I'm going to go to another question and then we'll come back and we'll address um, questions and comments from the audience. So I want to talk about the empowerment of um, organizations to dismantle systemic you know, racism by being intentional to challenge the dominant culture and societal norms while centering the mental health and well-being. Those are those are are two elements that when they coexist, if if one is not fully healthy, then it's almost like it cancels out the other. So when we live in a society right now where mental health is, is something that a lot of people are challenged by, and we also live in a society where there's so many systemic um, issues and all of these social complex issues that are causing us to, to question so much and to be uncertain and to hold a lot of anxiety. What do you say to all of that? How are you coaching and advising organizations to, to be mindful about how, how to bridge that gap? It's such a good question. And it's, it's, um, it's multifaceted, you know, it is. Because it's, it's a both and, you know, it's, it's one that we're, we, we have to hold on both sides because mental health is, is something that is showing up and it's, it's always been there, but we're having more conversations about it, which is a good thing. Um, and, and I think it needs to be had even more and what needs to happen as well along with that is that um, I think we need to understand how some of the policies and practices and uh, procedures in organizations some sometimes don't you know help don't help excuse me to um, you know, dismantle or or they don't support of um, the employee's mental health. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you have discrimination and, and perpetual um, stereotypes and microaggressions occurring in your organization and in the company, and they're not dealt with and they're not discussed, you know, that will, can and will most likely lead to major issues with, with, with a person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that has to be understood at a, at a people, people leader level that it, I have to address these inequities and I have to address these situations that are consistently occurring in my corporation or in my community because they do have an effect on the mental health and well-being of my employees. So they, they go together oftentimes that these microaggressions left un, unchecked and untalked about will have a negative impact on, on the um, employees that we're working with. And so it's like you have to really have both of them at the conversation. I'm, I'm one all about intentionality mm -hmm. and, um, and transparency. And so 
having those conversations at the forefront and, and letting people know these are both very important. These are both very important conversations and we are going to talk about them and we are going to address this and, and this is how we're doing it. And so not shying away from it or acting as if it's not there because you know it is a part of the conversation. It's a part of what that people are going through. So um, really bringing it up and bringing it to the mm -hmm. forefront and having thought leaders that can help you facilitate those conversations if needed. Yeah, no, great, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm looking at the chat right now for questions. And again, I just want to remind you that if you have a question, please raise your hand, be more than happy to spotlight you and let you unmute yourself and share directly. Um, here's a question in chat that I'll present to you by Rachel Manyarazzi, another colleague here at NWC. And she's asking, could you share why you're such an advocate for work-life balance and the wellness of an individual as part of bringing your best self to work? Oh, thank you, Rachel, for that question. Hey, Melissa, uh, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Rachel, you didn't want to unmute and ask? Nika asked it for me, but you, <laughs> you, yeah. No, um, I just wanted to share with everyone that Nika, um, Melissa has been such a ray of sunshine. Her smile is like the sunshine. Her laugh is like the sunshine. But since she joined NWC, just that focus on, hey girl, focus on you and your wellness. And, and you, there's certain things that you know, but that you forget in the quest of excellence, right? Your own excellence. So could you just share with everyone some of the things you've been sharing with me in the three weeks you've been with us? Um, including the wellness calendar. Melissa even has me doing a challenge, a daily <laughs> challenge, a wellness challenge. And she sends me quotes. So if you could just share why you feel that is so important in the DEI workspace, where we encourage people to bring their best selves and their whole selves to work. Thank you, Rachel. I, I, I do think it's it's really important for all, but especially DEI practitioners, we give so much of ourselves. And especially if you're coming from a marginalized group, you know, you're living it and giving yourself to the work. Um, and so you're experiencing, you're potentially experiencing it, experiencing, excuse me, uh, some of some of the harm, but you're you're pouring into others in, in the hope that you are being a change agent. And um, it's it's emotional. I say emotionally taxing a lot, but there is emotional tax attached to this work. And, and where, as Nika mentioned, you know, there's passion behind it. There also is a skill behind it. And there's, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of other pieces and components that tied and attached to that. And so if you're not careful, you can become so fully immersed in this work that you forget and lose parts of yourself. And I think that it's probably in many, many occupations and, and many um, workplace cultures. But I, I can speak specifically for as an educator and I can specifically speak as a DEI practitioner. So for me, it is super important. It's very, very important that I have work-life. Um, Nika, how did you say it the other day? You said a really work-life I talk about work-life blends and you and I were blend. very much aligned. Yeah. About our philosophies on that when we talked. Yeah. <laughs> That's a snap for that. That's what it was. Work-life blend. And um, because 
I, you, you know, you want to show up as your full self to help the people that you're there to serve. And I, and I think about my colleagues. I want to be there to support my colleagues. I want to be there to support the clients that we work with. And I also want to be full enough to support my children and my friends and my family. And I can only do that if there is a blend and balance. And so I think about that often, um, how much, how much energy am I exerting in each situation? How much do I need to give this, this situation and how much should I hold back? And I haven't always been like that. And many people, and there are some here that have known me for 20 years, um, know that I've definitely not always been like that, but I have come to found, I am the best Melissa when I set specific boundaries and healthy boundaries around that. So, um, I, and, I, and I really, at the heart of me, enjoy giving others that gift. And so when I can give to others in that way, it really, it really it makes me very happy. That's awesome. Okay, so I see two questions into the chat. I'm gonna try to squeeze them in into the remaining time that we have, but I'll start first with um, Shaniqua's question. Thank you for being here, Shaniqua. And her question is, when you're doing individual coaching, how do you help Black women deal with their internalized racism? So take that one on. That's such a good, thank you, uh, Shaniqua, for that question. So that is one of the most common and uh, one of the first things that we deal with, uh, that I've dealt with with Black women, because it's common and um Again, I'll go back to the first, the first step is understanding what you're going through and understanding where the internalized racism or internalized oppression has come from. So it's, it's really understanding the culture, the white supremacy culture that you're immersed in. When I talk about white supremacy culture with clients, I talk about it like a fog. You know, it's like this it's, a, it's, it's an invisible fog often that we're walking through and sometimes people don't even realize how immersed that we are in this fog that has become parts of our lives and parts of, you know, it's not like we tried and tried to learn this, but it's, it's a culture that has become part of the American culture. And we have to intentionally decolonize and intentionally recenter and intentionally unlearn. So I help women to unlearn the behaviors and the mindsets that were placed in us and given to us um, by people that may or may not have wanted to you know so when the way that we have to our thought that we have to minimize ourselves or show up a certain way or you know the angry black woman said all those things are things that we have to unlearn in order to then relearn how to present ourselves as authentic so Mm -hmm. that's really what it's about It's, it's decolonizing and unlearning the white supremacy culture that's been presented to us I so agree. Melissa, you probably have heard this before, just even in your short time, but we talk a lot at NWC about part of someone's growth and part of the work that we feel compelled to do is to help people to unlearn misinformation Mm. uh, that they have, um, you know, being conditioned by 
Um, that's part of the journey. We have to unlearn misinformation, right? That's where a lot of the stereotypes and a lot of the generalizations will come from where bias then creeps in and then that bias can create harm. And so I so appreciate you bringing that to the conversation. Okay, so Felicia Torres has a question and it is this, what suggestions do you have to deal with the workplace that forces you to take on additional duties or causes to represent the culture because you are the minority in that particular organization. Mm. Yeah, so I've been in that quite uh, often, um, especially in the educational setting. Um, so oftentimes in, in educational settings, um, I have found that uh, women of color are given, are, are put given certain roles or, you know, it's things such as like, you, you can handle those, the, and I mentioned in my poem, you can handle those children, or you know, you you can handle those families, and it's it's it, it's seen as if we are we are othered, and so they're othering the children as well. Um, but really, in these cases, um, it's really for me, and this is part of the the wellness journey. It's about liberating boundaries and it's about really setting clear intentional boundaries you know i there are certain expectations of any job or you know job description and responsibilities but um taking additional duties because your your supervisor may be a part of a marginalized group and you as well or you know maybe that like team teaming up type of thing it's it's just like you really setting boundaries about what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept because people really in my experience now that i've started to do this for a while people are going to accept or not accept what you're willing to give or not give and so you know i, I do everything in a in a professional courteous way but i definitely have very clear boundaries personally and professionally and um people have accepted or not, you know, those boundaries. And so um, it's made me much happier in my life because of it. Yeah. And don't you think it's also important to ask why, you know, have that level of curiosity to ask, why are you um, suggesting that I am the person for this particular task, you know? And then I believe in asking why, it gives us an opportunity to educate. Sometimes people will ask certain individuals, particularly those that are part of marginalized communities mm -hmm. to serve in that capacity in their organizations mm -hmm. because they um, perceive that they are the voice of everybody that's a part of that population, right? And that's an opportunity to educate and say, you know, all black women, we're not a monolith, you know? Absolutely. And so I think asking why can be really important to to that as well. I think that, that's great. The curiosity part is, is probably mm -hmm. first, but before any of it, getting that yeah. piece out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's so many questions that are popping up into the chat. I hope you all are watching the chat because there's some good um, nuggets that are being shared. I want to get in one last one. And then after you answer this question from Tina McDaniel, thank you for being here, Tina. I will ask that you also close this out in your own way. Um, let us know maybe what else we have not touched on that you really are feeling a lot of energy around. But here's Tina's question. How do you keep yourself from being overwhelmed at the magnitude of the work before you? Tina, good question. You know what keeps me grounded? Um, for a while, Tina and everyone, I 
I was in this work and I didn't know there were so many others, um, other amazing DEI practitioners in this space. And years ago, I didn't know that there were so many other amazing DEI practitioners in this space. And now with social media, you know, there, you can reach out, you can talk to, you can, and there's even, um, now forums and, and organizations that are made just for DEI practitioners or just for people that are doing this, doing this work. And, you know, there are, um, I, oh, I really apologize for that. So sorry. Um, there are, um, um, counseling um, spaces specifically for, you know, Black women or women of color. And I really believe in finding spaces and places that nourish you. And that's what I do. I, I really find spaces and places that nourish me. So for example, in um, about three weeks, I'm going to a, uh, a Black woman's um, um, I told Nika the other day, I'm so excited. I'm going to a uh, Black Women's Wellness Retreat in New York. And it's a three-day retreat and it's at a holistic center and it's all centered around wellness and um, you know, just recharging and centering yourself. And I found that from one of my social media contacts. And so I think it's just getting yourself around others that are doing the similar work and, and, and really immersing yourself in finding that community because that's really where I have found the greatest, the greatest uh, hope and, and love. <laughs> I Thank love you. that. Thank you. Um, so Melissa, we're out of time now, but let me just say how much I have enjoyed having this space and this dialogue with you. Um, I've learned a little bit more about you as, as I'm sure this audience did as well. Um, but we are so excited to have you a part of the NWC team and really look forward to some wonderful um, results and outcomes that we can um, be able to collaborate on. And so thank you all to this podcast community for joining us today, wishing you all a beautiful weekend. And if you found the content today to be helpful and useful, then be sure when you receive the replay um, that you will share it out with someone else in your community thank you all so much enjoy your weekend